guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Turner Syndrome podcast. My name is Brooke. Pour yourself your favorite cup of coffee, and let's hop into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, the channel, wherever this ends up being found by those finding it. I am very, very excited to have Lindsay back on and to hear how everything went. So I will kind of let her start, tell the story of everything that happened, and then we'll get into it. So this is Lindsay, guys. She's been on a few times now. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. So back in, I guess I'll start at the beginning, back in October, I went to do my yearly um, echo, and they said, that I do, I was born with a bicuspid aortic valve and that my narrowing was getting worse and, and it was down to 0.5. So they were talking that I needed a aortic valve replacement. Um, very scary. So I met with a surgeon in January in my hometown. Um, they kept giving me conflicting information. So I ended up going up to KU, which is a couple hours away, meeting with the surgeon up there. Um, they did more echoes. They, I even did a heart cath, um, just to make sure everything, how everything looked. And they said my pressures were high and they were worried about, um, my valve failing. So May 4th, I had my aortic valve replacement, um, along with, they had to fix my aorta cause it was enlarged as well. Cause when your valve is narrow, it kind of puts pressure on your aorta and it gets enlarged. So I had that on May 4th um, and I was in the hospital for seven days. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and all of this started just from a normal checkup, right? Yep. I always known that, you know, my year, I actually went four years without getting an echo, but every year, you know, they said, well, it is narrow, but we'll watch it. You know, last time it was like 1.9. Um, so it was getting narrow, but not too severe, but the last time was 0.5 and a normal valve is like three millimeters or something like that. And mine's 0.5. So if you think about that, that's pretty, yeah, pretty severe. Yeah. That's a pretty significant (laughs) difference in size. Yeah. So I always knew that it was narrow. I mean, ever since I was little, but when they finally say, you know, it's time for surgery, it's very scary. Yeah. Yeah. I was terrified. (laughs) Yeah. I remember, I remember you telling me you were going for the checkup and you were praying it went well. And then you gave the update. And so when we did the girls night chat and it was me and you and Dana and Andrea, all of us were like, so what happened? How's it going? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We were all anxious to hear. And that was that was in February because that was at the mm-hmm. very end of awareness month. Yes. Yep. That's when I had met the surgeon in February and I had my surgery scheduled for May. So yeah. and I know at that point you were like anxious to wait at all to get right. it done. Yeah, I think that was the worst part is waiting, you know, because you don't know what could happen from you know the time that you're diagnosed to. You know, they talk about sudden cardiac death. You know, you read all this stuff that you could just not wake up. I would pray every night that I would wake up the next morning. It was very scary. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh man. So yeah, the biggest concern is just all of a sudden it just collapses, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. It just, you know, starts failing and just doesn't work. Yeah. And your heart stops. Yeah. Is there any warning signs at all? Um, yeah, they said, you know, and I was really asymptomatic. I wasn't having any symptoms, but you know, shortness of breath, swelling, um, chest pain, stuff like that is what you watch for. And I wasn't having any of that, you know, but once you're diagnosed, you kind of think, you know, I think you're overthinking things and you're like, what's that? Was I short of breath because of that? Was that really chest pain? You know what I mean? You're constantly thinking oh, yeah. and looking for things. But yeah, before they said anything, I was asymptomatic. I wasn't having any of those symptoms, which that's what really upset me because my cardiologist here in town was like, oh, we'll just, you're young. We'll just wait till you're symptomatic. And I was like, I don't want to wait <laughs> like that. So yeah, that's when I got a second opinion because... I was like, I'm not going to, you know, risk it. I've got four little kids and a husband and it's not worth it. Yeah, no, I'm very, very <laughs> thankful that you got a second opinion and got it. Me too. As you did. Yeah. Oh man. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I think for me in hearing all of the stories, like hearing your experience, hearing Andrea's experience of like, nobody else had caught it until she had the mm -hmm. echo at conference. Mm-hmm. It is so, I don't want to be dramatic, but it's so eerie to it is. think yeah. Yeah. it could just shift on you that quickly. One second you feel yeah. fine. And as far as you know, you're fine. And then the next mm -hmm. you have a pretty significant heart issue that you're dealing with that could take a turn in any direction at any moment. Mm -hmm. And people just think, oh, you're young it'll be okay. Yeah. But I think, you know, with us Turner's girls, it's, it's different because it's genetic. It's, I mean, it doesn't matter what age we are. It's yeah. just how we were made. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that you don't find out until you get older, like right. some of the stuff until you're fully finished growing and developing, they don't know what that's going to look like. Right. You, you talked to that second doctor and it was a, yeah, we'll get you scheduled for May. What was the process from then till surgery? Like the day you went in for surgery? It was just waiting. Just at um, home waiting? Yeah. Working. Uh, yeah. And, you know, of course he said, if anything happens, but, and I'm, I'm stubborn. <laughs> like I, I went in February and of course I'm, I'm a nurse and I'm a director and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I've got some things going on at work. Like May would work a little bit better. <laughs> and he was like, you know, jobs are going to be there. Like I'm fine with May. We can, we can do May. But if anything happens, if you get symptomatic, you need to call me. And then of course um, I found out like you have to get a full dental workup and stuff like that. They want to make sure that you know, you don't have any dental issues before you have a valve replacement. So I had to have all my wisdom teeth for my wisdom teeth pulled out before a week before my surgery. Oh, wow. What's the, what's that side of things for? Like, what's the concern? Um, so after your valve replacement, I got a, um, I didn't get a tissue valve. I got a mechanical valve. So you had to be on blood thinners the rest of your life. 
And because you're on blood thinners, if they do any kind of, you know, dental work and stuff, you have high risk for infection and everything like that. So they don't want to do any dental work on you for six months after your surgery. So they want you cleared to make sure there's no abscess, nothing that can, you know, infections that can go straight to your heart. Wow. So yeah, so I had to get my wisdom teeth out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I know. It's like one thing after another. Yeah. <laughs> Just wisdom teeth is one thing. Right. Let alone yeah. then add heart surgery at the end of that mm-hmm. same week. Your yeah. mouth is still sore at that point. Yes, it was not <laughs> fun. It was not fun, but. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, you know, besides the waiting game, there was other stuff that you have to do to prepare. Like you have to make sure that you see your doctor, make sure you go to the dentist and they clear you for surgery. So and so what's the process of deciding between a tissue valve and a mechanical valve? What are, what are the pros and cons there? Right. So a tissue valve um, is either a pig or a cow valve. And generally the good thing about those is you don't have to be on blood thinners because it's tissue. Yeah. Um, and blood thinners just prevent you from getting clots. Um, the bad thing about tissue valves is they only last like seven to 10 years. I think they're lasting longer because of technology, but seven to 10 years with tissue valve. Like, so you're gonna obviously have to have it replaced, especially someone if you're young, I mean, it's not ideal. A lot of people go for it, but it's it's really not ideal. But the mechanical valve um, is basically lifetime. So hopefully it'll just be one and done um, and you don't have to get it replaced unless something you know happens, but you do have to be on blood thinners the rest of your life. So you kind of have to weigh your, weigh your options, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, just give me the mechanical. I don't <laughs> want to do it again. Yeah. yeah just be done. Right. I don't have to open my chest yeah. again. No, no. Man. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say <clears throat> for my knee surgery, I can't remember what the other option was. I think maybe it was like a, pig or a cow Mm -hmm. tissue ligament versus Mm -hmm. a cadaver Mm -hmm. and my doctor was like I don't know which one weirds you out more but (laughs) 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 I'm like um I'll take the cadaver because at least (laughs) human also right right (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that I mean it really that part wasn't wasn't a hard decision for me so that's why I chose the mechanical because I was Fingers crossed that I don't ever have to go through that again. So, yeah. And is there any maintenance to it? Like anything you have to do to make sure that's not done anything bad or is it just normal checkups? You have to do your normal checkups and the echoes and um, you do have to monitor your, like, it's kind of like, you know how people test their blood sugar with the prick of their finger? Well, it's called INR. You have to test how thin your blood is every week depending on your levels and stuff like that. They want your blood to be at a certain level. They don't want it too thick. They don't want it too thin. So um, they dose you based on what your levels are. So I have to check my blood like once once a week or twice a week, depending on what my levels are. Um, now I did end up, and we could talk more about my whole hospitalization, but I did end up getting a pacemaker as well after surgery. So three days after surgery, I had to go back in and get a pacemaker place because my heart was only pacing in the forties. Oh, wow. And I think they said that sometimes that's just the trauma from the surgery. Um, so when I came out, I had external pacemakers on 
um, and then they turn them off, but my heart rate wouldn't go above 40. So it wouldn't, you know, go back into rhythm or anything like that. So then they had to place the pacemaker. And once they did that, I felt like a hundred percent better. I felt like a new person. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, not that like to that... need one or anything, but good right. that yeah. they caught it and it helped. Yeah. I was like, just add something else. to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So morning of surgery. How did that go? So we ended up staying up there because it's a few hours away. We ended up staying up there the night before. So just me and my husband, um, you know, we went to Ikea, we had dinner and stuff like that, but we had to be at the hospital at like six o'clock in the morning. Oh. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I slept okay the night before, but going in in the morning, it was very scary. Um, so we went in, filled out all the information and then they were like, okay, go up to the third floor. There'll be a waiting room. So we went up there and it was just me and my husband there. And like, maybe like a couple minutes later, here comes the nurse and she's like, okay, we're going to take her back now. I'm like, he didn't even get to go back with me or anything. So oh. um, I know. <laughs> so then they were getting me ready. And that's when I really started getting nervous. Like I was crying. I mean, it's very, very scary. Um, and they were so nice though. They were, you know, talking to me, prepping me. They had to give me IVs and stuff like that. Um, that they, of course, they gave me some medicine to relax myself after <laughs> I was, you know, upset and stuff. Um, and then they wheeled me into the operating room and put me on the bed. And I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> um, the Yeah, the worst part was waking up. I woke up and I still had the tube in my mouth. That's the worst part. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I guess with the open heart surgery, they want you to... to um, kind of wean yourself, wake yourself up. They don't want to give you any medicine to, um, you know, wake you up. They just let the anesthesia wear off. Um, but they want to make sure you're breathing on your own. So you have to be able to like, hold your head up and tell them, take it out. So, but, um, my husband said that, that he didn't get to come back there for a couple hours after surgery. Cause I was fighting the tube. <laughs> Cause I remember waking up and I remember biting on the tube and they were like, you just need to breathe. But it felt like I, I felt like I was choking. Yeah. So I was trying to get their attention. Like I was even like banging my hands on the, on the bedroom and like biting the tube, like trying to get them to take it out. And they were just like, it's okay. Breathe. And I was like, no. Um, and then I know they put me back to sleep for a little bit. Cause I remember falling back asleep and then I woke back up and they were taking the tube out. So yeah that was the worst part I fought it really hard which that was another thing that worried me too was waking up with that mile. so I know I made myself anxious in it but it was not fun yeah not fun I, I, oh <laughs> yeah because I I'm somebody for anesthesia I I don't know I in normal sleep realm already like I'm not a great sleeper I take forever to fall asleep mm -hmm. and like so it doesn't surprise me that anesthesia usually has a very limited amount of time it works mm -hmm. on me. When I was a baby, the doctor had to give me, like I had a hernia repair when I was really, mm -hmm. really little, like maybe a month or so old. I was very tiny. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I had to give her like twice what I would normally give a baby <laughs> her size to get her to go out. She was fighting me. And <laughs> 
And so I always, like every time I've had surgery, I'm always nervous. It's going to wear off or something. Right. I was, yeah. I'm going to be conscious for things. I don't want to be conscious for. Yes. That worried me too. Like waking up during surgery. Yeah. But no, it was the tube that was, but once they got it out, they let me have ice chips. My husband was feeding me ice chips and I was fine once it was out. (laughs) It's like, thank goodness not only scary, but so uncomfortable. Oh yes. Yeah. Cause you can feel the air being shoved in your throat. I mean, it just feels like there's a huge, huge tube in your throat and you can't, yeah. Catch your breath. It's bad. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. So between that and you said three days later was the pacemaker. So how did those three days in between go? So the first day I was really, really groggy. I didn't wake up till probably like five, six o'clock at night. So they pretty much, and I was, I mean, I had like, I had an IV, well, I have an art line in my arm. I had an IV. You can kind of still see this. I don't know if you can see it, the bruise on my neck. I had an IJ in my neck. Um, I had a catheter. I had all sorts of lines hooked up to me. So the first night they just let me sleep. Um, the second day they got, they got me up bright and early. (laughs) They're like, okay, we're going to sit in the chair. (laughs) So they got me up and sat me in the chair and it was okay. Um, they were giving me pain medicine, uh, every four hours. I could alternate between oxycodone and Tylenol, which helped. Um, I mainly felt tightness. It was more like the tightness. So towards the three, four hour mark, I, my chest felt tight. It hurt to move. Um, not a lot of stabbing pain or anything like that, just mainly the tightness. Um, so the first day I sat in the chair, um, and I slept in the chair too, cause the medicine really made me tired. So the first few days I basically just sat in the chair and slept. Then they'd get me up um, in the evening, put me back in the bed and then I go back to sleep. <laughs> um, the, I think they might've had me walk the second day, like in the evening, but the third day I had to walk twice a day for 15 minutes. They had me walk around the nurse's station. I would have to walk around and come back. Um, so they made sure I was walk- up and walking. Um, I don't think I really ate until like the second or third day. And only thing I really wanted to eat was like mashed potatoes nothing else really sounded good. Um, I know I had a lot of ice chips and Sprite, um, but yeah, I slept a lot. And then I remember the day of my pacemaker, I think it was a Friday. Um, the doctors came in and they did a chest x-ray and then they came in and said, yeah, they wanted to see if my heart would go back into rhythm on its own. And by that time they were like, we're probably going to do the pacemaker. And I was very exhausted and tired by that day. And I was having really bad heartburn for some reason. Um, and then my nurse came in and she's like, well, you can't have anything to eat or drink right now because we don't know when you're going to have surgery. So that whole day to like three in the afternoon, I couldn't eat or drink anything. And it was miserable. <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah. Like I, all I wanted was some ice chips or something like a Sprite, something, um, and yeah, I couldn't until three o'clock. And then they took me back there, got my pacemaker and then came back and I felt hundred percent better. I felt I wasn't as tired. I felt like a new person and I could eat and drink. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. And what's really weird is now um, in recovery, the site where my pacemaker is actually hurts worse than my sternal incision. And they said, cause it's right under your skin. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, this was actually a lot more sore than my incision on my chest. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Cause it's like right there and probably yeah. mm -hmm. rubs yep. and oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So the pacemaker was that they think that the rhythm thing was all just your heart's reaction to the surgery yeah they say sometimes like during surgery um the trauma can mess with your av node which is your node that fires your heart rate because you have two nodes an sa node and an av node and sometimes just where they put the um artificial valve it hits that node and and messes with your heart rate and it just never works again so um some people yeah have to have pacemakers so and really i mean the only thing i have a little machine i sit next to my bed that it monitors um the pacemaker and i think the batteries last like 10 years um and they said it's a lot easier they'll have to go in and just replace the battery they don't have to actually put in the whole device again so they says a lot easier to replace the batteries than to put another pacemaker back in. So um, other than that, they said everything should be fine. I haven't had any issues, knock on wood. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. The actual valve they were replacing, mm -hmm. it was, you said, bicuspid, right? Mm -hmm. it's the, so what does that actually mean? So a normal aortic valve has it looks like three little leaflets and they they open up and it pumps you know heart the blood to your heart well a bicuspid it looks like it's cut in half like it's two leaflets so over time it gets smaller and smaller and blood kind of it gets turbulent and it's hard for blood to get through those so that's why they call it bicuspid because it's got two leaflets instead of three okay and that's I know it's a common thing for turners. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. actually know if there's specific statistics on the various heart things. Right. Up until a few years ago, I thought there was just the dissection that was the right big concern. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, there's several heart issues mm -hmm. that, that there right. could be. Right. A variety, like hypertension, all sorts. I mean, yeah. There's yeah. so many things that, and it affects everyone differently, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so recovery. How so has I, recovery been? So I got home a week after surgery. I came home on a Sunday or a Monday. Um, very weak, very tired. Um, can't lift anything. Um, I mainly wanted to sleep. I did come home on pain medicine. Um, not as strong as what I had at the hospital. Um, I had to sleep in a recliner propped up on pillows because you can't really, it's hard to lay flat because you're, you know, still trying to recover and it hurts when you lay flat, your muscles stretch, everything's kind of tight. So you yeah. kind of have to sit up. Um, I did have to be on home health for 
maybe like three weeks. So they would come and monitor, take my vital signs and monitor my blood levels and stuff like that. Um, and I was off work for seven weeks, which was very hard for me because I'm, you know, used to working full time and stuff. So yeah, of course the first week my husband was home with me and then my grandma was home with me the next week. Um, by the third week, I was like, I'm fine by myself, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. Um, but no, they, they were awesome. My husband even set up the recliner like right next to our bed and everything like that. So um, I have my little recliner in our yeah. rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I had to, you know, do my little walk. Um, I had to walk like 30 minutes a day. Um, and I probably didn't walk as much as I should. Um, I went back to work after seven weeks um, and then started uh, cardiopulmonary therapy, which I go three days a week which basically is for an hour and they monitor you with a heart monitor. And you like, usually I do the treadmill for 20 minutes. I do the bike for 10 and then I do this little arm rowing thing for like five. So they monitor your heart rate and try to get your strength up. Um, and I'm still doing that cause that's for 12 weeks. So I still have a few more sessions. So yeah, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday I go. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So have you noticed that those strengthening things have been really making a difference with how it feels? Yeah, I, I feel better because when I first came home, um, even after four weeks, I noticed like I was so tired, even in the mornings I could sleep all night and wake up. I would wake up at six when my kids woke up, help them get ready for, for school. And my husband would take them to school. And then by like eight o'clock, I was ready for a nap. Eight, nine o'clock. I was like, okay, I'm already tired. So I would fall asleep till like 11 or 12 and then I'd wake back up and then, you know, do my walking and stuff like that. And then by two or three, my husband would come home and I was tired again. So yeah, I could definitely tell like my energy level is, you know, back to normal and it definitely has helped. That's good. Yeah. And you still have, if you're on week four of it, you said? Yes. Yep. You have eight more weeks too. Yes. Yeah, I do. You'll just be yeah. an energetic bunny by the end. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like the youngest one in there too. So. Oh, really? I was like, I'm going to go see my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could imagine. I don't know. There's there's so much that just can feel like a whole, like who else would experience this type I know. of thing? And right. I'm sure that was no exception. No. Yeah. <laughs> I know I had to get, they want you to do another echo, like after, you know, six to eight weeks. And then I went and got an echo a couple of weeks ago. And the guy was like, you've gone through what? you just had valve replacement you've had a pacemaker I'm like yeah <laughs> he's like oh my goodness yeah. so yeah it surprises people wow so is there anything besides normal checkups now that you're going to do besides the besides the cardiopulmonary therapy after that's done, it's just normal routine checkups again? Yep. 
Yeah, normal routine checkups. Um, I know I had talked, you know, to Andrea and stuff like that. She only lives, she lives up by KU a couple hours away. I found out um, by one of the cardiologists up there, they have like a Turner syndrome clinic. So I think I'll be going to that this fall. Because oh, cool. um, so, yeah, so in there, they've got the cardiologist, the endocrinologist, they've got a psychologist, they've got um, a primary care doctor. So everything's right there. And so you just go there and you can see everybody. So I think that's awesome. I know. So I'm excited to do that. I am so excited. I'm jealous. I wish one was like right here. Right. Yeah. I never heard. I mean, I think that's wonderful, especially in this area, because you don't hear a lot about that. I mean, you can think of like the Mayo Clinic and stuff like that, like bigger places, but I think more people should have that. Yeah. That's awesome. So you'll start going there in the fall you said Mm -hmm. yeah so is would that be switching all of your care over to there I think so yep okay that's cool yeah it'll be nice because it'll be just centrally located all right there yeah and the doctors would have an easy time communicating between Mm -hmm. everything sometimes I feel like I'm in this huge thing trying to run between playing telephone (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know. And dealing like before my surgery, having to deal with insurance and stuff like that, I thought was not, I mean, yeah, I was dealing with it all the way up to a week before my surgery. Yeah. That was another part I was curious about how, how difficult or easy was the coverage for this? So my insurance, um, my company, I have Blue Cross Blue Shield, but my company has bought into this thing called Accolade and what they do is for certain surgeries related to like stroke, heart, um, other things like that. If you apply and go through all this paperwork, they'll cover those surgeries hundred percent and they'll pay for your hospital visits and stuff like that. So I had to reach out to them and I had to fill out all this paperwork. The only bad part is they wanted like second opinions and stuff like that from the hospital that they wanted an opinion from. But I was like, we don't have time. Like my surgery is scheduled for May 4th. So I had to get everything approved. Um, They pushed it up to get it approved. But once it was all approved, um, everything was covered 100%. Otherwise I would have to pay like out of pocket. (laughs) And yeah. I know. So luckily, and like, we just got the bill and it was like $300,000. Yeah. It was a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Just for being in there for a whole week. Yeah. And so in your normal insurance wouldn't have covered any of it. I think they probably, um, I mean that I don't think they would have probably not unless I would have, I would have probably had to pay a certain deductible and stuff like that, but I would have had to pay some of it out of pocket. Yeah. So I was, and I actually, I just had somebody reach out. Um, I think she said she will, I can't remember how far along she said she was, but far along enough that the doctor had given her a 50% chance of the baby having Turner syndrome. (sighs) She asked me what's the best insurance. And I'm like, uh whatever the doctors that are good near you will take right (laughs) thankfully I think most places are now gearing away from pre-existing conditions being a problem right 
but even still some of the hoops you have to go through to like, um, you know, they, they want you to prove that, you mm -hmm. know, prove that it's worth covering. Right. And in that scenario, that's, oh, that'd be so frustrating. Cause it's like, it's literally my heart. What do you want me to say? Right. I know. <laughs> it's like, Not like I, can I, take this off. I don't just want to do this for fun. Yeah. Like, really. This wasn't my choice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was so thankful that everything was covered because I don't, yeah, I don't know what we would have done. It was, yeah, when we got that bill, I was like, holy cow. Yeah, that would be insane. Oh, man. Yeah, I know for, like, for my neck surgery, my surgeon that did it wrote a letter to the insurance saying, this is not just cosmetic. Right. This is function of the mm -hmm. neck. And right. thankfully they took that and covered it, but even that they were trying not to. They were trying to call it cosmetic and he's like, eh, I think I can argue with them that right. cosmetic. That's ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> so I've called it for those types of reasons and just what you said, I've always been nervous to have to try to qualify for insurance on my own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad they had that. So, yeah. Well, for all of the surprises you got thrown your way with it, it sounds like it at least right. landed yes. good. <laughs> yes, it did. I'm so thankful to be on this side of things. And yeah. I know, you know, i part of Facebook groups and stuff like that, people that had replacements and stuff like that and reading some of their stories has helped. But, you know, I'm so thankful that I've had, you know, a good recovery and, you know, not a lot of symptoms so far and yeah. just kind of getting things back to normal. Yeah, and so thankful that you had it done before anything actually right. went wrong. Right, yeah. I remember when you said they were trying to postpone it and I'm like, oh, no. yeah, yeah. And I definitely would recommend, you know, finding a surgeon you're comfortable with and, you know, who has the same ideas as you. Um, my surgeon was amazing. So, and he would come in every day, check on me. Um, yeah. Do your, I would say do your research and, you know, go with your gut. Is it just a cardiothoracic surgeon? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was guessing so. Yeah. So what would you say was your biggest like takeaway or lesson that you feel like stuck out through the whole thing? Um, definitely. Um, you know, I have a new lease on life, you know, the little things that bother me before doesn't bother me anymore you know what I mean I feel like I've gotten a second chance um yeah and every day I'm thankful that I was able to make it and make it through so it definitely has put a new lease on life I don't worry about the stress that I you know the things that I used to worry about I'm just like we shouldn't be worried about that you know um I'm more focused on my health and you know my family and stuff like that because before um I'm more of a people person and a people pleaser and stuff like that. But now I've realized, you know, this is a time I need to focus on me and to heal. Um, 
So really just learning to take care of myself. <laughs> yeah. That's really what I've taken from this. That's a good lesson. That's a good. Yeah, it definitely is. That's a good mindset. Yeah. And yeah, because I mean, I never, before, and especially being a nurse, we're our worst patients. Like we, we're more <laughs> worried about everyone else. We don't, you know, we're fine. We'll, we'll get over it. We're fine. But yeah, I definitely have learned that I need to take care of myself. That way I can be there for my family and everyone else. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've been preaching <laughs> that to myself too. Mm-hmm. If you can't pour from an empty cup. No, not at all. <laughs> so definitely taking care of yourself is so worth it. Yes. So, well, good. I'm so, I'm just so glad you're doing so well. <laughs> Me too. I'm so Every time I message you, I'm like, I hope she's doing okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm just glad. glad I'm starting to feel back to normal. I mean, whatever normal is, but I'm, yeah, I'm so glad to be over and done with it. Good. And PSA to everyone, get your echo done. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And if you don't feel like you're getting treated well, definitely get a second opinion. Absolutely. Never be scared to get a second opinion. Mm -mm. Especially because you know how you're feeling and they can only guess. Right. You have to be your own advocate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I called up there and I sent all my records there. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm not even playing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's not something you can take chances on like that. No. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm very, very proud of you. And I'm very glad you did that. Yes, me too. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like this last year, there's been so much talk about the heart stuff and there has I've noticed that too so many times where I've been like oh man when was my last echo like right and people passing away too it's you know it's very scary whether that's related you know heart related or pandemic related I mean yeah it's it's been very scary the unknown definitely yeah I've had I mean, all of my echoes, thankfully, up to this point have been great. And still, anytime I feel something weird, I'm like, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Andrew probably thinks I'm crazy. Like, you're fine. fine." (laughs) But they said your valve is, you don't have a bicuspid valve, though. Your valve is fine. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, In fact, they've done, I've had my normal echoes. And then I've had, I think at this point, like three cardiac MRIs. And every time there's been glowing reviews and everything looks great. And I'm like, well, good. I'm glad. Right. That's awesome. It's kind of like my, my parents went to a brain specialist when they thought it was spina bifida instead of Turner's Mm -hmm. before they knew. And he was like, it's a beautiful brain. And she's like, okay, good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> whatever you say is great right <laughs> I remember when I had the heart cath the doctor came out and told my husband he's like well it was impressive I was impressed but not in a good way <laughs> like from the results and everything like that <laughs> yeah. oh, I guess when you see those things all the time right you process them in such a different way yeah 
Yeah. And I mean, I think, I guess I just didn't realize how bad it was until, you know, after surgery, you don't realize, I think I was just compensating. That's why I didn't have any symptoms. So I was just used to living how I was. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's another thing is symptoms can kind of be relative and whether it feels severe or not to you, if it's your normal, you could not notice at all. Right. But it's, yeah. Oh man. (sighs) Yeah. I, if there's been nothing else recently that has been just ingrained in my brain, just making sure, even if last time it was totally fine, no concern at all. Because especially talking about, like, I went through this whole time period where I was researching more, okay, what would it look like to potentially go through pregnancy? Right. That's a whole other level of, there's, there's doctors that will clear you, but no doctor is ever going to say, we're not going to monitor you and make sure something doesn't happen. Right. So it's not like that chance is just gone right. just because you have a clear echo to begin with. Right. And that's yeah, a, you would be high risk. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a hard thing to think about too. And mm-hmm. yeah. So many fun things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, thank you so much. It was so good to talk to you. And yes, anytime. I'm so glad I got to see you. Yes. So is there anything you want to leave everybody listening with that we haven't touched on? No, I would just say if you're scared or if you, you know, if your doctor's talking to you about it, like I would be willing to talk to anyone who, you know, is getting ready to go through surgery or, you know, have any questions. Cause I know I had questions and sometimes even reading, you know, the Facebook posts and stuff like that from other people, it helps some help, but some were very scary. It's like, Oh my goodness. So yeah, just being that support to someone, I think that's what I would like to do, you know, being on this end, I definitely would, you know, provide some insight. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Thank you so much. It was so great talking to you. Yes. And I am just continuing to pray that recovery continues well. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I will talk to you hopefully sometime soon. Yay. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Coffee and Turner Syndrome. If you would like to support the podcast, I do have listener support set up on Anchor. And if you'd like to leave me a voice message, I would love to hear from you. Don't forget, you can find the video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brooktv. Make sure you're subscribed so you see when the next one comes out. And I will see you guys in the next episode.